which is be an overcomer. Amen. Now, last week we spoke on evil and brought out a lot of things from the scripture that help us to understand evil, what's behind it, how it works, and what we need to do to get away from it, if you would, or overcome it. So uh, this morning, just to be balanced in our teaching, well, we're going to flip the other side of it and spend some time uh, talking about being an overcomer. And I'm going to be speaking this morning out of uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, I'll look to the Lord in prayer, and we'll uh, take off and uh, let God bless the service. Father, we thank you again the opportunity we have to stand behind this sacred desk and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, allow us to open your eternal word and find the strength and help that's in us to live the life you want us to live. So guide us this hour. May all things we do and say be ordered by you straight from heaven that, Father, what I say before it even hits the brains and ears of the listeners, that your Holy Spirit will anoint it so that it will be something that will feed the souls of those that have pressed their way to the house of God this morning and be filled with what you want us to be filled with and controlled by the Spirit of God that watches over us. So bless our time together now, and the Lord have your way in the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we look to the Word this morning, uh, we want to turn the page on evil and kind of look at being an overcomer. Let me read one verse to start with, and of course that's not where we're going to end up, or, or uh, that's not where we're going to be looking too much at until towards the ends, but in Romans 12, 21, the scripture says, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, in our text, it seems easy just to overcome evil by being good. Well, there's a lot more to it than if you would being good. The devil's not going to be happy with you trying to upset uh, the things he's doing. And, of course, we would know him as evil. And uh, that's what Paul is telling, if you would, the Romans when he writes this letter, if you would. We call it the book of Romans in the King James Version that we read from. He's telling the Romans that's exactly what they need to do. You need to overcome evil by being good. Amen? Or uh, by overcome evil with goods, the way he says it. So here we find um, there's a lot of things in our life around us that want to press in on us as evil. And we need to, if you would, find a way, somehow, somehow, overcome that evil with good. Now we have a, a song in our songbooks about being an overcomer. Be an overcomer, only cowards yield to the foe they meet on the battlefield. I know you don't recognize it when I sing it, but it's in the songbook. Amen? All right. And we, we do uh, sing it occasionally, and it does have meaning to us. So, but here, if you'll find this entire chapter of Romans 12. Now, I know when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't break it down into book, chapter, and verse. He just wrote a letter. 
Just like you get a letter from the IRS if you don't pay your taxes. They, you'll get a letter and they'll explain it to you. They don't break it down in book, chapter, and verse, but you need to understand it has some importance to it. But here we find that in this one, uh, the people that did break down book, chapter, and verse also assigned some subtitles to a lot of the things. And that all of that is to help not only older Christians, but newer Christians to understand what Paul's writing and give you some guidelines um, to help us if you're reading it for the first time or understanding it for the first time, that'll help you. But in this 12th chapter, at the beginning of it, it talks about the 12th chapter is Christian's duties, it says, the surrendered life is what we need to have if we're going to walk with Christ. Now that was added by the uh, King James, I guess, translators, and when they put it into English, and they have a lot of things. There's a whole lot in chapter 12 here, and we're not going to be able to, to get all of it, but I want to cover some of it, um, of issues that Christians need to do if they're going to have victory over the things that the devil's trying to do in their lives. So let's go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. Let me just read those two, and then we'll pick up from there and kind of um, blow it up a little bit, get us to understand how to be overcomers. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? So Paul opens this portion of Scripture with a couple of statements that tell the gospel story, if you would, in a nutshell. And he says, And I beseech you, therefore. Now, therefore is one of our four study words. And most of the time when you see that, it should be a key to you to say, I need to check out the context it's written in because it's going to be based on that context. So when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, something's taking place here that he wants you to make a special note about. That should get your attention. And now what comes next is what you need to really focus in on. After all, uh-oh. What is the purpose of being a Christian? It's uh, to get us, or if there's an uh, understanding as being a Christian, the difference between that uh, which will keep us uh, out of heaven and that which will allow us to go to heaven. Amen? So the purpose of being a Christian is to understand what God wants us to be personally in our lives. Again, let me remind us, there's a difference between heaven and hell. The dividing line, I've often said, the dividing line between heaven and hell is one little word, sin. Amen? You need to get rid of that sin and let Jesus' blood cover it, get forgiveness for it, because if you have sin, that is what is going to hinder you from making heaven your home. The scripture says explicitly, only the righteous are going to be the ones that make it to heaven. Amen? 
So we have a battle going on between the sin the devil wants us to indulge in and the righteousness or the privilege that God has given us to get forgiveness of sin that we might be the children he wants us to be. So Paul's letter to the Romans in this portion is going to spell out some of the dividing lines between good and evil. Amen? Number one, he says you need to present your body a living sacrifice. Now, for us today, a living sacrifice probably does not carry the impact that it did in the first century when Paul wrote this letter. Because the people in the first century had been under Old Testament law for thousands of years. And what did God expect of those folks if they wanted redemption for their sin? Because there is no um, sacrifice, or there is no uh, remission of sins without the shedding of blood, the Bible says. Now, in the Old Testament, what did they sacrifice? Lambs and goats and cows and bulls and calves and birds, and they had all kinds of different living sacrifices that they had to kill the animal and of course the priest did most of that and put it on the altar and it was offered to God as the different sacrifices that they're talking about but Paul says those sacrifices are over with amen the Old Testament as far as sacrifice is over we do not sacrifice sheep on any altar anywhere uh, at any time as, as far as a religious uh, ceremony to take care of our sin problem. That was all taken care of on the cross of Calvary by Jesus Christ when he laid down his life as the Lamb of God for our sins forever. Amen? Now, our personal relationship with God commands that we now become living sacrifices. See, when they made sacrifices in the Old Testament, those sacrifices were dead because they killed them. Amen? But we are living sacrifices and daily we prove in our hearts and minds as we walk this world that we're in sync with God's will and His Word and His Spirit as they teach us what we need to be. That's what a living sacrifice means. Amen? So here we find that when Paul is teaching these things to the Romans, he wants them to be subject to everything in the will of God so that their lives are different than the lives they remember before Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, same is true for you and I. If your life is not different today than it was before you had an experience with Jesus Christ and was born again, you're not the living sacrifice he wants you to be. You're not covered by that blood. Paul goes on to say next in that particular verse that he wants us not only to be living sacrifices, but he wants us to be holy. Holy, what does that mean? Well, holy, if you look at the Greek word of holy, the holy word and the word saint 
and the word sacrifice, or I mean uh, sanctify, are the same Greek word. A holy life is a set-apart life. Sanctification means you do away with everything in your life that's not holy, and you only allow things into your life that is holy. The closer you get to God, the more consecrated you are and set apart. Amen? And you have to definitely have a distinction between your life now and what your life was before and a distinction between your life now and what the world is promoting uh, as far as normalcy or whatever they want to promote as to what we should be as a person that's living in this world. Then number three, he says there, after he says we need to be living, sacrifice, and holy, he says we need to be acceptable unto God. Huh. That's why we need to have a spiritual mirror at home or everywhere we go. Now, most of you, before you came to church this morning, took time to look in the mirror and make sure everything's laid down appropriately, painted right, covered up, trinketed, made sure everybody looks as best they can look, right? Yeah, but wait, you can't look at a mirror and see what God sees. God looks at you, he sees your heart and your mind. And if you're going to be acceptable unto God, you need to look in a spiritual mirror and say, God, I want to be what you want me to be today. I want to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do the things your word says we should do. That's why we need to have self-examination of ourselves daily to be sure that there's a difference between our hearts and minds and the hearts and minds we had before Christ or the hearts and minds that this world and the influence of the devil want to force us into following uh, their footsteps. And then he says, after you become acceptable unto God, he says, that's just your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. You know, it's one thing to have a job. And if you're going to get a paycheck every month or whenever you get paid, on the schedule you're hired to get paid, and your boss comes to you and says, well, I don't really think I should give you this check because you really weren't reasonable about how much you did to earn this. Amen? We used to tease where I worked um, about people that had to back up backwards and take their check backwards because they didn't do everything they were required to do that week. They were, we teased about them uh, having to back up to get their paycheck because they cut the company short on what they were required. But it's just your reasonable service and it's your payback from God for the mercy and grace that he extended to you through the Holy Spirit that your daily walk with him that we call salvation would be something that you did to make sure you're on track with God. It's just reasonable. Amen. God doesn't ask you to fly. Amen. Unless he let, tells you to put you on an airplane. Amen. He doesn't ask you to walk on water. Amen. Unless it's frozen. Because it's just not something, that's unreasonable. Amen. Some things are physically uh, not possible for me to do, especially if you weigh over 240. You can't walk on water. You sink pretty fast. Amen. 
You need to be doing the reasonable service that God wants you to do when he called you into his salvation. Then in verse 2, he says and makes it pretty uh, point blank. But don't be conformed to this world. Amen? We were conformed to this world before we met Jesus Christ. We lived in the sin this world wanted us to indulge in. Amen? But he says, on the other hand, that's what the word but means, be transformed. Amen. Now, I'm, he doesn't mean like the kids' toys we have. They have transformers. All my grandkids have these transformers. You fold them up, and they look like a car, and they roll down through there. Then you take them apart, and you open the doors, and you turn them around, and you twist them, and then it's some kind of a monster or something, a dragon or something. Those are transformers. Amen? Now, he doesn't want us to transform into something we're not supposed to be, but we need to transform our hearts from what the world dictates into what the Holy Spirit dictates. That's the transformation that God is looking for you. And uh, that means that we have to be different than the world. We have to stand out. Amen? Amen. If you've lived beside your neighbor for 15 years, and you tell him, I go to church on Sunday, and he goes, huh, oh, you do? Huh? Maybe you haven't been transformed enough that he's noticed anything different about you. Amen. I think all my neighbors know where I'm at on Sunday. Amen. I even uh, tell my workers. Now, I'm about two weeks behind on my work right now. I'm working hard as I can, but not on Sunday. I tell them, I'm sorry it's going to take me a while to get to you, but it's because I'm a pastor and church comes first. Funerals come first. Situations come first. Services comes first. I'll get to you when I can, and I'll do you the best job I can do, but there are things in my life that have higher priorities than what this world has to offer. Amen? So I uh, try to make sure they understand that. And then he says not only we got to be transformed um, and be conformed to this, uh, be transformed, how? In the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be new every day. Amen? Did you know that? You got to renew it. Amen? Now, some things we go over and over and over. How many of you know you're supposed to pray? Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, how many of you know there's other things you're supposed to do? Well, I'll just stick with the prayer, right? No, you have to be renewed. You have to be keep up to date. You have to walk in the things that God gives us. Our renewed mind guides us uh, to be different, not only from the devil in the world, but to be different from the old man we were before Christ and the person we are now being born again as a child of God. That means we have something to prove. Did you know you have, as a Christian, you have something to prove? Did you know that? Oh, you say, well, no, I don't have any pride left. I've given up all my pride because pride's a bad thing. And I don't want nobody to think of me as being something special. No, you got something to prove. You got to prove that Jesus lives within you Otherwise, they won't know you're a Christian. Amen? You got to walk different. You got to think different. Amen? We prove to sinners and heathens and hypocrites what's good. They don't know what's good if we don't show them. Amen? Because they don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They don't go to church. 
And if they don't see something different in our life than what they've got, they figure, what's the use of going to church and reading and praying if they're just as good as me and you? Huh? Well, we've got to prove to them that what Jesus wants us to be is different than what they're living and what they can come to grips with because the Word of God makes us different and it means that we can prove to them what is the perfect will of God. Now, we have a lot of people that when they read the word perfect, get a misunderstanding. Amen? The word perfect doesn't mean the things that a lot of people think. Uh, oh, I got to do the perfect will of God. That means I can never make another mistake. And then when they make a mistake, well, they think they messed up. No, the perfect will of God is God's will. The only thing perfect about anything that we do as Christians is on God's behalf. Amen? So if you think you're perfect and don't make any mistakes and, and everybody should bow to you as you walk by, uh, you're badly mistaken. What is perfect in this particular uh, context here is the perfect will of God. Amen? So if you're going to be good and acceptable to God and holy and, and do the things he wants you to do, you have to find that perfect will of God. You have to find out exactly what God has called you to do. Do you know we all have ministries? Do you know God calls us and we all have different things we can do in the kingdom of God? Amen. God didn't call us all to pastor. Amen. Otherwise, I'd be retired. Amen. If God called everybody, then we'd just all be the same. But no, there's a lot of people that do different things. And, of course, if you get on down into the scriptures, I'm going to not touch on that much, but I'm going to bring it to your attention. God does call us all and give us all something to do in the kingdom of God. So if you're not different today than you was before Christ came into your life, Maybe you need to check out what spirit is really driving you and get on track with God. Now, just because you see the word perfect, that doesn't mean perfect for you. All right? You need to understand. God's will is perfect, but perfect is something that can never be improved on. Did you know that? All right? Do you think you can do better than you're doing right now? Well, then you must not be perfect. Amen. Now, is God's will perfect? Is there anything about God's will that needs to be improved on? Not on God's behalf, on our behalf maybe, but God's will is perfect. Amen. So the word perfect in a lot of cases in Scripture doesn't mean what we in the 21st century think of as perfect. Because if it's perfect, it can't be changed. It can't be improved on. And that's not true of anybody. Amen? Everybody got that? There's no such thing as being more perfect or being perfecter. There is no such word for that. If it's perfect, that's as, that's as good as it gets. Amen? You can't improve on perfect. We need to understand that. Amen? If it's perfect, it's perfect. And that's all we have to say. So that tells us he's not referring to us as a person, but we all have room to grow to in the perfect will of God. Amen? When I got saved 25 years ago, oh no, it was 45, wasn't it? A long time ago. Back in 1975, I had to get the calculator out and figure out, that's a long time ago. When I got saved, 
I was living as close to the will of God when I was 25 years old as I try to live yet today. But I can tell you, from 25 to 72, I've had to make a whole lot of changes in the way I walked in God's perfect will. Amen. That's not God's fault. His perfect will was there when I was 25 years old. But I was just, duh, not willing to accept it all or understand it. I had to get my nose in the book. I had to let the Holy Spirit speak to my life. I had to get my conscience in line with all he's directing me in my life so that I can get to where I walk in the will of God that he has for me now. You know there's going to be things if you live till this time next year that God's perfect will is going to direct you to do in the next year that you don't have no clue about right now. Huh, isn't that something? And yet, in God's will, he knew it was there all the time. Sometimes we have to walk with him before we can figure out what in the world is going on and how God wants us to grow in the things he has for us. Amen? Now in verse number three there, Paul again is admonishing his readers not to think that they know it all or that it is, uh, they're all of this and a bag of chips too. But the reality is, we all should still be growing in our spirit and as we walk with God. For I say unto you through the grace given to me. Paul says, I even got to have that grace. What was given to me? I'm just passing it on. Same with me. I don't know it all, but I'll pass on what God gives me to you. He says, to every man that's among you, not to think more highly of himself. Now, if you thought you were perfect, you're liable to think just a little bit too much of yourself. Amen? Because you think there's no room for growth or no room to get better if you're already perfect, right? But that's not what it is. He tells us here, don't to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but to think soberly. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with alcohol. It just means rational thinking. Amen? Because what God's asking us to do is just reasonable service. Remember that. And he says, soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Is there anybody in here that's been saved for more than a year that can't say they've got more faith today than they had when they got saved? Hello. Your faith grows. You get more. You get more understanding. There are things that happen that God wants to deal with us to help us to become overcomers in the life that he has for us. As much evil as we have faced in the past and even have overcome it, the devil's not satisfied. He still wants to send more evil your way to introduce you to that evil. So we need to make sure that we not only walk in the will of God, but we don't rejoice in the small victories of the past, but we build on them. Amen? Build on them to make a total success in what's coming ahead. Amen? Now, I got to tell you, life is not a sprint. Life is more like a marathon. Amen? I don't care how fast you ran when you got saved, pretty soon 
your old joints and your old bones and your old muscles are going to slow you down a little bit. So that doesn't mean you quit running with God. It just means you have a slower pace or uh, a pace that will endure a little bit longer. Amen? You may uh, have done very good in the first several mile markers of your salvation walk with God, but it's not over yet. Amen? Amen. I don't know how many miles we've covered for God, uh, but we're going to look at that, that in just a little bit. Do you know that the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary? Amen. So we need to work. We need to strive. Success just doesn't pop out at us every time we turn a corner somewhere. As a matter of fact, speaking of miles, in Matthew 5, 41, Jesus said, whoever compels you to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, Jesus in that Sermon on the Mound is teaching the people a lot of things. And if you go back and read it, you'll see several times he said, they used to say it this way, but here's how it really is. Amen? So that's what he was teaching in that particular time. He's teaching the difference between Old Testament law and New Testament grace. Amen? It's uh, no longer an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Under the Old Testament, that was, that was a law. Amen. Somebody knocked your tooth out? <laughs> that gave you free right to let them have it. Amen. Amen. Well, that's not the way Jesus says to do it now. He says turn the other cheek. Amen. Because you got teeth on the other side too. you got to have them knocked out, right? Amen. I think uh, some of them would just say that because they like the dentist. But here we go. Amen. Back now in Romans, the 12th chapter, and if you're going to read verses 4 through 8 down through there, you're going to find some things that Paul's letting them know. We don't have all of the same callings in our life. They're all different. Amen? There are just things that you got, God's expecting you to do. He doesn't even expect me to do it. Did you know that? Well, I thought you was a pastor and you're supposed to be super Christian. Let me see if there's an S on my chest. Nope, no S on my chest. I'm not super Christian. I'm just doing the will of God as best I can. Amen? So when he talks about these things, there are all callings on our life. But in verse 9, he says, Let love be without dissimulation. Do you know what dissimulation means? Hypocrisy. Huh? So your love needs to be as pure as it can be towards everybody you know. Amen? Don't pretend to love one another. Love one another. Amen? Really do it. Really put it to practice. Love is a two-way street. Amen? When you go south and turn around and come back north, you still got to love. Amen? When you love someone else, guess what happens? In return, they will in turn love you. It's a two-way street, if you would. Amen. Now, if you're hypocritical in your love towards a brother or sister, guess what? That will come back to you also. Huh, how about that? So, uh, when someone else sees that, that's what happens. When you pat your brother and sister on the back, 
make sure you don't have a knife in your hand. Amen? So that's what he deals with, if you really want to read about it, in verse number 10 and 11. Be affectionately, or be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Amen. Brotherly love. Is that a little bit different than some other kinds of love? Amen. I used to have a dog. I loved that dog. But not like I love you all. It's different. Amen. Not like I love my wife. That's different. Amen. Not like I love God. That's different. But we need to have brotherly love one to another. Amen. So if you look at those things as he reads them, it says don't show partiality in your brotherly love. The Bible says we're not to be a respecter of persons. Amen. I got to treat all of you the same. Amen. I got to be as good to you as I'd be to anyone else that came along, if you would, or anybody else that wanted to be a part of the church or anybody else that needed me on the job or whatever. We got to do what we can. Amen. So when we show partiality, your brotherly love is showing respect to persons. But God is really not in to that. He said even in Hebrews 13 and 1, how many of you know what that verse is? You probably got it memorized, right? Hebrews 13 and 1 says, let brotherly love continue. Huh, don't ever stop. I think I preached on that a time or two. I'm not real sure about that. Actually, when I came here to Faith Christian Fellowship, that was the title of the very first message I preached. 37 years ago, man, or 27 years ago. Amen. All right, but God has covered a lot of ground since then. Everything you do in ministry, in business, in re relationships of any kind, all of it needs to bring glory to God. Whether it does to you or not, it's immaterial. I should have shut that off, shouldn't I? There. Sorry about that. Probably somebody wanting me to show partiality, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But what you do, it should be to bring glory to God. The best business you can do is God's business. Amen. Now, from verse number 12 through the end of the chapter here, Paul gives us counsel and what I call, when I read this, I kind of like reading verse number 12 on down through the end of the chapter because I'm kind of a one-liner kind of guy. Has anybody ever just give you a one-liner and man, it just rings true and you remember them. I'm going to read down through here. I wrote some of these down that Paul's going to read. And they're from verse 12 down through verse 20. They're one-liners. First one is, rejoice in hope. Huh, how about that? That should stick with you. Rejoice in hope. Then he says, be patient in tribulation. Got any tribulation? You better be patient. Amen. Otherwise, they'll whoop you. Number three, instant in prayer. Huh. What's that mean? Well, whenever something comes along you don't have an answer for, huh, that's time to pray. Amen. Get with the program, right? Number four, 
distribute to the needs of the saints. You know somebody that's struggling? Give them $100. Amen. If that ain't enough, send them to see Steve. Amen. God's good. Amen. Take care of the needs, and then most of the time, the needs of the saints has nothing to do with money. Has nothing at all to do with money when people of the church have needs. Amen? Now, if it does, we can take care of that too. It says, then it says, be hospitable. What's that mean? Your door should be open to whoever's walking by. Amen? Hey, isn't that a good one-liner? Be hospitable. Amen. Paul was just laying it out for these Romans so easy for them to understand. And if it's not that, he says, bless your enemies. Now, that ain't what one that comes very easy, is it? Amen. Bless your enemies. Amen. Don't curse your enemies. Now, we get that one kind of reversed sometimes, don't we? Because we think of enemies, we're going to let them have it right now. Amen. Amen. Then he says, rejoice with them that rejoice. You see somebody happy? Be happy with them. Then he says, weep with those that weep. You see somebody stressed out or having issues and needs help? Cry with them. Amen. Share that burden. Those are scriptural principles. He says, then treat everyone the same. Did you know that? We're supposed to be good to the ones on the front row as we are the ones in the back row. Treat everybody to the same. Doesn't matter where you sit. You need to understand we love y'all. Then he says, mind not high things. Wow. If you do, you're liable to overlook the small things. While you're looking in the rafters, be careful you don't trip over the stumbling blocks on the floor. Amen. Then he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. That's something we all have to work on. You know why? Because we all think we're doing the best we can. We're all trying. But if all you ever do is please yourself in what you're promoting and not reaching out to see what you can do to please God, Paul says, don't do that. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Then he says, don't always try to get even. There are people that don't get mad. They just want to get even. Amen? Paul gave us a one-liner for that. Amen? And then he says, be honest with everyone. Huh. You know why I like being honest? Now, I don't have, to, I don't have a very good memory. And if you're going to be a liar, you better have a good memory. Amen? I can tell you a lot of stories about people that lied and they come back to bite them because they forgot the lie they told. Amen? Amen? Just be honest with everybody. Amen? What do you got to hide? Amen? And so what? If you can lie or brag or puff yourself up to be something that you're really not, it's not going to be long till somebody's going to put a pin in your balloon and you'll come back to earth. Why not just be honest in the first place? Amen? Amen. If I blowed myself up to be something I'm not, built you up in expectations to expect more out of me, when I couldn't produce, you'd be disappointed. But if I'm honest with you, even though I'm down on this level, 
and you're on this level, if I'm honest with you, that's the best I can do. Amen. It doesn't matter. Amen. It says that if it's possible, live in peace with everyone. I'm glad he added, if it's possible. I'd love to live in peace with everybody if it was possible. Now, I'm going to tell you, on my behalf, I do my best to live in peace with everybody. But some people, that's not possible. Sorry. Amen. But that's not on dude. That's on them. Amen. And I'll even try to help them. I'll coach them. I'll encourage them. I'll try to be an example to them. I'll testify to them. I'll tell them what God expects of them. Whatever it takes, I want to live at peace with everybody, if at all possible. Amen? But you and I know it's not always possible. Sometimes you're in the wrong lane on the highway, and they want your lane, and they aren't going to live in peace with you at that particular time. They'll cut you off in a New York second, and let you know about it as they blow the horn and wave at you as they go by. And usually it's not a very polite wave. But if it's possible, live at peace with everybody. Amen. Go the extra mile. Jesus said to do that. Amen. And then he says, don't try, don't try to always get back or get even to make the score what you want it to be. Sometimes you're going to lose. Hmm, did you know that? Sometimes things aren't going to go your way. That's why it works. Amen. So don't try to always get back or get even. And then he says, let God handle the vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Amen. So even if somebody does do you wrong, it's not your responsibility to straighten them out. That's God's responsibility. We just have to live the best we can. Then another couple more here, and I'll, I'll close it down here. If your enemy's hungry, what should you do? Feed him. Amen. If he's thirsty, what should you do? Give him something to drink. That goes for physical food or spiritual food. It goes for physical drink or spiritual drink. We need to be what we need to be for God no matter what comes our way. Amen. That's the best way to win someone is to, if you can, fill the needs that are void in their life. Amen. They may not know they're missing out on something. Amen. They may not know there's steak out there to eat if all they ever eat is chicken. Amen. Of course, it all tastes like chicken anyway, so it don't matter. But nonetheless... Here we go, and now we get down to all these one-liners, and we're right back where we started in verse number 21. Be an overcomer. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I always say it this way. Remember that you should always say sweet words because you never know when you're going to have to eat them. Amen? Make sure you're on track with what God has for you. From time to time, I hear someone say to me, how's the world treating you? Do they ever say that to you? You would just be passing them on the 
at a store or whatever. Now, hi, brother dude. How's the world treating you? You know what I tell them? The world hates me. But Christ loves me. Amen? The world hates me. Yeah, that's a given. Amen? I always tell them that's the way it is. But it's okay because Christ loves me more than the world hates me. He gives me more grace and mercy than the world can offer me through the hatred that they want to pass my way. Amen? So I'm good with it. If the world hates me, I know I'm doing something right. Amen? If the world's patting you on the back at every turn, you better look around and make sure you're not doing something that's pleasing them instead of something that's pleasing to God. Amen? We live in a very evil world. It's getting worse day by day. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. John 6, 16, 33. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. The world's going to hate you, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. If your desire is to be an overcomer, and be the best Christian you can be and do the will of God to the best of your ability, God's going to label you an overcomer. Amen? Amen. While others treat you evil, overcome their evil with good. After all, it's the best way Paul said you can do that. You'll end up heaping coals of fire on their head. Amen. That's what you wanted to do, wasn't it? When they treat you bad, what do you want to do? You want to treat them worse. But you know, it's not your job. You treat them good, and the Holy Spirit will take care of showing them that they're the ones that are out of step with the will of God. Amen? Now, nobody likes to lose. Nobody wants to be a loser. Amen? I know I played a lot of sports in my younger year, back when I was... Buff. And man, I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. I played and played and played and played. And man, oh man, had a good time and I hated to lose. Amen? And now sometimes it wasn't my fault. I played a great game, but my teammates kind of let me down. Amen? We didn't get the victory we wanted. Amen? But guess what? Salvation's not like football or basketball or baseball or soccer or any other sport that's a team sport where you're dependent on somebody else to get you a victory. And there were times when I was, if you would, the weakest link, and they, my team had to carry me. Amen. But then there are other sports like golf and tennis and sometimes swimming and track, and it's up to you. If you're going to win in those, you're by yourself. So if you're going to overcome the field you're playing against at those uh, individual sports, you're the one that's going to have to be the one that's on track. Well, salvation's kind of like that. Salvation is up to you to be on track with God so no matter what the world or what the devil throws at you, you can outrun it. You can beat it to the finish line and still 
hold up the victory or the trophy that you win by outrunning whatever the devil's trying to do in your life. We need to be overcomers. We need to be victorious. We look for success. And I got to tell you, success and a lot of times people like to look at, uh, oh, I was a success at this or that. Success means nothing until you make it to heaven. Amen? Because you can win everything this world has to offer and miss heaven. I would think that's not successful. Amen? But you could be outrun by a lot of people in this world. Make heaven your home. Ah, now you're successful. Now you've made it. Now that's what God wants us to be. Be the overcomer in whatever comes your way and give the glory for God for bringing you through and getting you to where he wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.